You're listening to the PFWC podcast with me, Carly Compton, a podcast created to help you learn strategies to overcome that bully inside your head, ways to practice self-love, awareness and understanding of eating disorders, how to embrace the body you have been given and develop a healthy relationship with food, exercise, and most importantly, yourself. Here at the PFWC podcast, we find it important to create a safe space and a place for individuals to come to learn how to create that lifestyle that works for them. We're dropping comparisons, fighting unrealistic beauty standards, and coming together to show the world that all bodies are beautiful and that healthy looks different on everyone. Sit back, relax, and get ready to grow together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the PFWC podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. Um, I say that, I'm not kidding, every single episode. I always <laughs> am so excited when I have a guest, um, and especially an amazing, beautiful guest who is going oh. to educate us in so many amazing ways. Um, today, I have C. Bruce here. Um, they are an amazing individual who I've been following on social media for honestly quite some time found found them on tiktok and um am so inspired by their skin (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) Um, your skin is amazing and i aspire to have as great a skin as you do um but before i i could go on and on and on but i want to give serious an opportunity to introduce themselves what an amazing intro hi thank you so much for having me and the feeling is very very mutual on so many different fronts but um yeah so I'm serious facey I am I sort of I work across media I'm a content creator I'm a brand consultant and I'm also um a strategist so I work with a lot of brands to do really fun social media campaigns and then I also am in front of the camera doing crazy TikToks and um, talking about beauty and lifestyle and wellness through an intersectional lens. So my whole platform is about just integrating social impact and social causes into storytelling. So that's what I do. Yes. And it's amazing. If you're not following them, you definitely should be. <laughs> yeah. Um, both of definitely, us. Definitely. <laughs> 100%. Yes. Um, kind of going first things first, um, have you always been into beauty, makeup, all of that stuff? Or is that something that kind of is new for you? (laughs) No, that's a great, great place to start. I definitely have. I think for me, basically to give a little bit of an overview, I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, and I sort of grew up in a very predominantly white affluent environment. And I was the only queer person, gender non-conforming person, and honestly, like first gen person, um, because my parents immigrated from Iran. And I think I clutched onto beauty at a pretty young age. I think part of it was like a a way to express the femininity that I was experiencing that at the time I didn't really, I didn't really like intersect it with gender identity because I didn't even know what that was. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I think part of it was also just like, it was a way for me to sort of connect with um my cultural roots it was a way for me to connect with my mom I feel like a lot of the the different beauty tropes and a lot of the different beauty um attributes that have sort of become part of my brand started really early like I remember I used to like sneak in my mom's like beauty like stuff and use it before you know she like was like just go use it do you know what I mean so I think I beauty has definitely been something that 
has been a huge part of my life. And I definitely never imagined that it was going to become a part of my public persona. I definitely knew that I wanted to work in beauty, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So beauty and I, we go way back. (laughs) We go way, way, way back. Yeah. And when you say public persona, does that mean like for a long time, was it something that you kind of kept a secret? Yeah, you're, yeah, no, you're spot on. I think I, for me, yeah, like publicly, I think with beauty, I never thought that I, I feel like, like everybody has a lot of work to do on themselves in general. And I think for a while I knew that I didn't want to like be public facing with beauty if I wasn't confident in like the different parts of myself, not to say that I'm not you know, there are days that I'm not confident. I think it's more so I had a lot of work to do before I could be like, okay, yeah, like beauty is really going to become a part of my brand as a person, the way that I talk about it, the way that I internalize it for myself. Um, Because I think what happens in social media and, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but like in, in different ways, I think what we experience is there's so much projection happening online, especially with beauty, especially with men in beauty, gender non-conforming people in beauty, just anybody that doesn't fit into beauty standards. I think that it's really important for us to have a solid grasp and understanding of who we are, because it can be really difficult not to get caught up into what everybody says, especially if they're pointing out things that you might be insecure about. You know what I mean? Definitely. 100%. And I feel that as someone in a larger body, I mm-hmm. get the that same sort of projection as like what I should look like or what right. I should be doing with my body in terms of trying to lose weight or trying to fit into this, you know, beauty standard. There, yeah. there is that pressure um, to conform to what society kind of has molded for us yeah. um, in whatever, whatever way that looks like. Um, and I definitely think like a huge part of that was that confidence that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Once you become more confident in who you are, um, it is easier to be your true genuine self and not feel that pressure as much. Um, but there are still days where it's like, yeah, oh, it's really and that's hard. Okay. And that's okay. And it's funny. I always say this, but like, I get a lot of hate comments. Like I get like so many hate comments. And I think again, because I've been on social media for so long, I'm not like, it's not new to me. It's just like another day. I think the difference, and I always say it's because people are like, um, when people say this, I'm always very apt to understand how, because I, I, I truly, it's still like when people are like, do hate comments like affect you? And I'm like, well, I think that's a, I think it's a very nuanced way of thinking about it. Like affect how, like, for example, when I get a hate comment, um, before, like before I did a lot of work on myself, I think it then impacted my decisions afterwards. Like if I posted a photo and people said really hateful things, I think I'd either maybe delete the photo or like block the, like, versus now. I like hate comments. Sure. They can affect me, but they don't impact my decisions. I think that's a different thing. Like I, cause I think it's important. Like how can someone get dozens, if not hundreds of hate comments, which I do a week and have it not like linger over you. I think it's more about this isn't going to hurt me because I'm not going to give it permission to. It's more also just about like, all right, like I'm just not gonna like, what am I, I'm not going to delete this photo. I still love it. I still feel great about it. I think I'm like still trying to figure out where that middle ground is. Do you know what I mean? 100%. And I think that distinction between like effect and impact is so mm-hmm. important because mm-hmm. it is, it's like, as humans, we can't always control how we're affected by things. 
Um, and like the therapist in me and what I always find myself telling my clients is like, you can't necessarily control that first thought you have, Uh but you can always control the second one. And I think that kind of goes back to that. It's like, you can't necessarily control what someone says to you and what your initial, initial thought is regarding that comment. But what you can control is then your next step, right? Yeah. Yeah. The way in which you allow that comment to impact you um, Mm -hmm. moving forward. Absolutely. And I feel like it's, for me, been definitely a journey of, you know, when I was younger, I didn't feel like I had the vocabulary or the patience or even just like the means to articulate or retort to what people would say to me. And I think, you know, sometimes I get comments like, cause I, I typically, sometimes I take hate comments and I like respond to them out of empathy or I like put them on blast and people are like, why do you even give them the time of day? And I'm like, well, the reason why I'm doing this is a, because I think people need to be held accountable for like, I, I like, I grew up in an environment where like shitty white men could say whatever they wanted and there was no repercussions and I'm like Mm -hmm. all right like you want to talk shit let me put you front and center in front of hundreds of thousands of people and see how you feel and almost always they delete the comment or they block me like I'm like you're just Mm -hmm. saying it to talk shit like you're a weak fucking person so like I -hmm. think part of it is also me being like I am sort of like reclaiming a lot of the experiences I had where I couldn't say what I was saying when I was younger and I think that's an empowering thing it's not about giving them the platform or like, I mean, sure, maybe that's what's happening, but it's for me, it's less about like, oh, this is impacting me. I want validation from people and more being like, no, I know you. I know I know the versions of you that have lived through my entire life. I want you to really experience this humiliation, like truly mm-hmm. in a way that like, I can also perhaps offer some empathy. Yeah, 100%. And I think when younger people or people who are, you know, who look up to you, who follow you, who can see who see you react to those comments in such like a, well, whether it's with empathy or it's with the kind of like, you know, I don't give a fuck, like kind of fuck you mentality of like, you're yeah, gonna it can be both. I mean, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that can be really empowering to those people to be like, oh, I don't, I don't have to take this or, you know, I can get to that place where, you know, I can stand up for myself. And I feel like that's scary for a lot of people who are still, figuring out who they are and like where they belong and, and what their identity is. Um, I think seeing someone stand up for themselves in that capacity is really empowering for sure. And I think also part of it is, is I'm just really intrigued. Like for me, I think what happens is like, I think there's this fallacy that marginalized people when they talk about their identity like they're trying to take away something from someone else especially when it comes to gender right like it's so funny I'm always like or like even talking about like something as basic as masculinity and femininity where people are like well you're trying to like destroy it and I'm like I'm so sorry that you think that that's what's happening because actually not like I don't like I I think we need to embrace masculinity and femininity like I do both so it's never and I'm just like why do people consistently think that I'm trying to take something away from them I'm not I'm trying to like actually give them the opportunity to experience it for themselves it's not about stripping it down or getting rid of it it's about like reprioritizing how we socialize people into thinking about it and I think that's when we're able to make a difference into like preventing toxic masculinity and toxic femininity I mean I don't even know if toxic femininity is something that I've experienced in many ways though it does exist but you get what I mean like I'm like we're not taking anything away from you it's Mm -hmm. just about adding more so people feel comfortable is how I think about it exactly 
And I think that is usually what that fear is for people who experience toxic masculinity, for example, it is that fear of like something is going to change in the world and they're not going to have the space or the power that they used to have. And so I think that where that fear falls, which is so fucked up, it's like the fact that someone can be so insecure, like in themselves, that that's how they feel the need to yeah. move forward in life is to is to make sure others feel uncomfortable and not welcome in spaces. Um, yeah. It's really scary. Totally. Because it's like, I mean, it's pretty evident in my comment section, especially with people who don't follow me and they'll see like one video. And in that one video, they'll assume so many things. And and in a way, it's sort of like a projection. Like I always get these comments, like, like your dad must be like so like disappointed in you or like fatherless. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. A, have you watched my platform? Like half of my content's with my dad. And then B, I'm like, oh, you don't have that. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, I get it. Like you don't because. Because in my world, I'm like, I'm so sorry you didn't have that experience. I'm sorry you haven't experienced unconditional love. Like, it's not on me. I'm like, that's a you thing. And I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 100%. It's always a projection of some sort of internal insecurity or something that they're lacking. And I think remembering that a lot of times when navigating those comments is it kind of frees, frees, our, frees us up of this expectation to like explain to them or try yeah. and get them to understand because yep. it's like that's not yep. that's 100%. not our job. 100%. Our job is not to get them there that's that's their job um so kind of going off of that what was your experience or your journey to confidence like for you um like mm. what did what did that look like that's a good question i think the journey's still going, right? Yeah. Like I, I think for me, confidence has been linked to like impact, which I don't think is, I don't know if it's, I kind of don't wish it was that way. Like in a sense too, it's, I think it's really, conf- I think it's really easy to feel confident when you have a platform because mm-hmm. I think you have all of these people in your corner. Like, you know what I mean? Versus like, I think confidence is so, outward facing now like we get so much validation from people that I worry that like is my confidence getting linked to like what my followers think of me or is it like me myself and then I think on another level feeling confident came from um I think being realistic about my life like I think like I to give you an example you know uh, I have a tendency to want like things to be like perfect in the sense that like I I compare myself and have compared myself to so many different creators. Like, I think it's just a natural thing. And then I've sort of linked my confidence to them. And I think that's really problematic. And I think that can be really self-destructive. So my confidence started to, I think, grow in a healthy way when I like dissociated myself from everybody else and was like, okay, at the end of the day, what is actually making me feel upset and what's actually bringing me joy? Because on social media, maybe I would post something and hundreds of thousands of people would be like, oh my God, you look so beautiful. But then I wouldn't feel it, right? Like then I realized, okay, so confidence truly has to come from 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 um, understanding that like, it's going to take a while. It's going to be a process, but you also have to work at it. I think that's the thing too. Like definitely time, right? Growth, 
but I also think working at it, like I've worked, like I've literally worked on being like, why don't, why do I feel this way about this part of my body? Why do I feel this way about when I wear this? Like, I think it's about confidence is a conversation. And I think it's a conversation that you need to have with yourself every single day. Otherwise it's like any other muscle. It just loses its, um, its flexibility with how you live your daily life. Definitely. And I think that goes even that's helpful for anyone who's not really on social media or, you know, is mm-hmm. it in that space where they have a, a community like online? Um, I think that same sort of logic and questioning is helpful in terms of are is your confidence stemming from like outside sources or yeah. is your confidence stemming from within? Um, yeah. do you feel this way, like, because deep, like inside you really truly feel this way, or do you feel this way because there's like an outside source telling you, you should feel this way or. Yeah. Or and I think that's where social media models things, because like, I remember I'd like maybe post a photo that I felt super confident in and it just wouldn't perform well. And then I'd be like, oh my God, now I'm linking my confidence to performance. And that's like really problematic. I think that's one of the things about social media that's hard. It's like, it's different when it's a business, when you really consider and take social media as your business. Like for me, social media is a business. It's my work. It's what I do. Of course, it's a form of expression, but it's also like my job. So I think I can now start to dissociate a little bit from it. Like, for example, I think one of my boundaries online is I really try not to show my emotions, um, my, my sort of like sad emotions. Like I try not to cry um, in front of people. And absolutely, like this is a me experience. It has nothing to do with anybody else. Like if that's how you, you know, appreciate and emote yourself, like do it. But for me, the reason why I know it can be problematic is it's different if I post something and I get negative comments about like, my look I'm like whatever mm-hmm. fuck it I could care less mm-hmm. but it's different if you start to get negative comments about something that's very vulnerable and something that is actually like for me not something I want to share with people because I've had like content creators before who get caught up in the validation from other people be like oh I posted this really emotional video and cried and it only got 200 likes and then I'm like oh my god like we're really like we're really quantifying our emotions and to me you sort of get into this very tricky territory 100 percent yeah, I think it it's it's that internal like questioning and that mindfulness around like why why are you sharing this? Are you sharing this because you truly want like people online to see like yeah. you also experience this thing or are you posting this because you think that, you know, it's going to get a lot of likes and you're hoping that it brings a lot of ten- a lot of attention. 100%. And I think identifying the differences in that is is so important. Yeah. Um so so kind of going off of that confidence aspect what is your go-to in terms of coping on those days where confidence feels really fucking hard (laughs) or just like being confident feels hard and the the, like negative self-talk is just looming I think what's been helpful is doing a 180 in terms of the activity that I'm doing I know that sounds weird, but for me, it works. Like, for example, like if I'm doing like beauty and makeup and it's just not working and I don't have to like do it for like a brand, I stop, I stop. I'm done. Like I'm done. I'm going to go cook. Like I do something that is so completely opposite to almost like throw myself off a little bit. It's a very interesting method. Someone told me about it and they said it really helps them. And it's really been helpful to me. It's like, Mm -hmm. 
if I'm doing something and I really don't feel confident or like I'm trying something on, I first acknowledge it. I say, I'm not feeling good right now. And then I like go for a walk or like, I'm like, oh, I needed to pick up rice this week. I go do that. I do the opposite of what I was doing because in that moment, I cannot associate like my, like, is this going to ruin the rest of my day? So almost by, by like tricking my emotions and doing something that like takes no confidence, like buying rice or going for a walk, I sort of like get myself out of it. And then I sort of, by doing that, then give myself a minute to think like, seriously, why was I feeling that way? And I think that's been helpful to me. It's like, pick an activity that does not link to your self-worth. Pick an activity that's literally as simple as like dropping off your dry cleaning. Um, and maybe it just impact your confidence. I don't know. But for me, it's been a really great way of dissociating out of it. I don't know. It's been yeah. help- really helpful. Definitely. And I think that it's kind of like a form of distraction from that thing that is kind of bringing a lot of attention to like your body or the way that you feel about your body. It's like, okay, I'm I'm going to distract myself for the time being and do something that doesn't allow me to think about that. And then when I feel ready and in a space to process why I was feeling this way, then I'll go into that and process that. I think it's like this sense of compartmentalizing um, our thoughts and kind of allowing ourselves like, okay, I'm going to step away from this and then I'll come back to it when I feel exactly. mentally ready to do that. It's like, I sort of, it, it, a, a, a symbiotic way of thinking about it um, that I also like to explain is sort of like that thing where people always tell you, don't send an angry email. Like if you're feeling emotional, put your phone away for 40 minutes or a day and come back later. That's almost what I do. It's like, let me just see, what, let me see how I feel in a day or in 40 minutes or in whatever. It's I think it's the same mechanism. Definitely, yeah. And like the kind of therapy side of that is like our brains like exist in that state of dysregulation for like 90 seconds that's like the allotted amount of time in which we exist in that state so I always find myself telling my clients I'm like if you're feeling angry or you get a text or you get an email and you want to respond right away give yourself 90 seconds to just step away and go back to that and I guarantee you after that 90 seconds is over you're not going to feel as angry and your response is going to be a lot different than what it would have been in that moment yeah 100% I'm with you definitely so um okay social media navigating social media navigating Mm -hmm. the toxic masculinity navigating the Mm -hmm. just toxic space of social media in general um I'm curious, like what people see online, a lot of times I feel like isn't the full picture, obviously, Mm -hmm. like there's a lot more that goes on in someone's life than what's, what we see on social media. Um, And I'm curious, like what, what has been the hardest adjustment for you in terms of, of being in this, in this space of having Mm -hmm. a platform Um, you know, you did all of this work to get to this place where you feel confident in yourself and you've, you know, really stepped into who you are and your identity and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, was there a time in which that felt really difficult for you in terms of stepping into that space on social media? And like, what was that? What, what did that, um, what's the word I'm looking for that, Mm -hmm. like, uh, (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. It, a brain fart. 
the transition into like yeah. on online an online space like what what did that look like for you was that really fucking hard was it yeah. did you yeah. find a community that made it easier for you in the beginning like what did what did that look like yeah no that's a really good question I think for me it was realizing two very real truths one I don't think that people should post content when they don't feel good. I don't think that, I think it was really hard because expectations rise. And um, I don't think that when you feel good, you should post content. I posted content when I haven't felt good that I think has been misleading. I think it's been unfair for people to just see all the good times. And just because I don't wanna show the bad times doesn't mean that I can't level things out by only posting when I feel good. That being said, there's another truth. When you work in social media, when it's your job, you can't really afford to not be active, which I think is unfortunately just part of it. You lose momentum on the algorithm. You lo- So realizing how intense that is and that it is unfortunately a truth led me to, okay, I said to myself, all right, if I'm not going to post when I don't feel good, but I also have to sort of like beat the social media algorithm and be like, okay, like I need to like be active sometimes what I do is I post videos or I create a bunch of content, more content than I typically good when I'm in a good mood. And then on the days that I don't really feel like posting, instead of creating new content in that moment when I don't feel good, I just post the content from when I did feel good. Like, because in that moment, I can justify it and be like, I felt great doing this. I'm not having a good day today. Also, like, I don't want to do any work today. So let me just post something I already did and felt good about. And I think that sort of is the only middle ground I've been able to find. I think that's been the hardest thing for me. Um, I think it's also very easy um, to give in to what you know is going to go viral. And I didn't really realize how um, profoundly the algorithm prioritizes that sort of content. And I could give a fuck. Like for me, I true, like I fucking hate trends. I hate going into, in the sense that like, not like trend, like I hate the like, tr- like having to use trending. Like, I don't care. Like I, 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 I wish I did. I wish I like loved doing the challenges and the thing. I don't, I mm-hmm. don't care. So I think part of social media is being like, okay, like you sort of have to strategize and be smart and strategic and know it's going to work. So that, I think that's what bothers me about social media. I think that's the hardest part. I think I've yeah. definitely found, again, I've come to middle ground, but it'll always be hard. It'll always be hard to like, and then also like a regular job. Think about it this way, right? Like I'm at an office, which I've been, I worked full-time for six years. Like the days that I don't feel good, you still have to do your job, right? Like you can't like not do your job. Um, and I think that's a truth. But I also think you're not doing your job in front of an audience of hundreds of thousands of people. That's the difference. And obviously jobs are different. And like social media is a job, but it's, you know, it's a very different sort of work. Um, And I think it's more emotionally attached than many other jobs. Um, And I think that right there, that intersection of, I really, really know that I need to like continue to have a presence on the internet, even in the times when I don't feel good. And that's really hard to like navigate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think going about that in a space of like grace and, and like understanding for yourself and remembering yeah. like, and yeah. this is even important for like outsider people who aren't technically, you know, content creators who, who just take in content, who have their favorite, who have their favorite creators. 
remembering like we are human. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And we still have days. We all have days where we don't necessarily want to show up 100% or even show up 50% or sometimes yeah. not even show up at all. Yeah. Um, and I think that self-validation in, in that and being like, this doesn't make me a bad content creator. This doesn't mean that what I'm doing is worthless. Like this just makes me human. Yeah. Um, I think that's a big part of that too, is being able to self-validate for yourself that it's okay that I'm not feeling a hundred percent in this space today. Um, yeah. I think that's a really freeing and empowering. Yeah. Space. I mean, I also think that like, I, I, I have so much respect for content creators. Um, and I also have a lot of respect for people who call out content creators. Like, I think there is a very interesting middle ground. I don't think that, I think that you have to be a creator to understand the difficulties. Um, and I think that you also, as a creator, in a way, do have to be aware and cognizant and self-aware of like your presence, because when we think about it from like a monetary perspective, the, so the, the content creation industry is just one of the most profitable industries. I mean, you can make um, someone's yearly salary with two or three posts, or like you can make what people make in four or five months with a two second video, a three second video. So I think like, I also try and really put that into perspective um, and not, you know, denigrate to your point, like, the work that goes behind this because it's a lot of work but also try and remain self-aware of like okay what are like what are we really doing um in those moments where I feel conflicted definitely 100% what has been the most like fulfilling aspect of this for you social media oh, all of question. it I think getting the I think getting dms from like younger people like young queer people young Persian people like I truly growing up didn't have any spaces that were Persian and queer and also like I, there weren't like many gender non-conforming Persian influencers I'm a niche like I'm very like it's like I get it like I'm a very like I have a lot of these intersecting identities that really didn't exist I had to look up to people that like weren't necessarily within the same intersecting communities that I was in so I never fully resonated and now I get hundreds of dms from people um, and not even like, sometimes I just get DMs from moms just being like, I, you know, you've helped me open my eyes to the way that I'm navigating a relationship with my like trans son or like gender non-conforming kid. And that is important to me because at the end of the day, it's not, we're, we're not like saving lives, but at the end of the day, we have the ability to impact the way that someone makes decisions on how they treat their mind and treat their bodies and treat all of the ways that do impact your life in a very different way. So I think that is the most gratifying thing to me. Um, and also to be honest, I never fucking thought I could do it. So the fact that I'm doing it is amazing. Like, you know how people always are like, if I, like, I never, like, I truly, I always knew that I would do something big and I didn't know, and I didn't really convince myself that it would be this. And I think for the longest time, I prevented myself from really doing content full time um, because I was afraid I was afraid of feeling. I think I made up a bunch of excuses like, no, I don't have time. Like, no, like, I, like influencers are so cringe. It was like, no, like, bitch, you're afraid to fail. Like, that's what it is. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It's you. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm really proud of myself for where I've come. 
Um, and then I think the last thing is I'm really proud of, I think the most gratifying thing is I've learned about boundaries and I've learned about um, how easily people in this world will try and take advantage of you. Um, I represented myself as a creator, as a business for years and learned how to negotiate and learned how to um, deal with greedy brands, with um, companies that were trying to take advantage of my identity. So I'm really grateful for the lessons that I've learned um, and the mistakes that I will not make again. So I think that's also a really gratifying thing is, is being able to learn um, those things throughout the process. Yeah, I love that. I love that you're getting those DMs and I'm not yeah. surprised that you are. <laughs> I love that, you know, people are feeling you know, comfortable to go to you and really share with you, like what, what they're going through, what they're experiencing. Um, and that, you know, that importance of like having someone who you see yourself in. Um, I think that's such a powerful part of social media is it's it's so much easier for us now to find those people who were like, I see like parts of me and you and I think that is and you said we're not saving lives and I and I agree to that to an extent but I also think there's an aspect there of like people who feel validated who feel like seen and understood there is a part of that where they're like okay like I can get through this difficult this difficult thing because I have you know this person who I can you know go to or you know not necessarily like talk to per se but like at least see parts of them within you and I think that's a really empowering feeling to not feel so alone yeah Um, yeah it is true I mean it also depends on the creator right like we have yes like um I would love to have a dialogue with like you know the uh fashion only fashion focused content creator and if that's impacting Mm -hmm. people but it could like people might just look up to creators and be like this person is just so you I never want to say that I think it's more about just like realizing that I also think we what you said earlier is so important like we're also very much human beings and like we like there are days sometimes where I'm just like I don't know. I don't think a lot of people realize like there are a lot of emotions and mm-hmm. even like with cancel culture and with like people, I think I've become a lot more understanding in certain situations about like how things can get misconstrued or like, for example, like, I think this was so crazy. I posted like, um, I posted a satirical video about making pasta and I said something like, this is the perfect way to make pasta. And I, like, I I could not believe what people, like the comments that I was getting off of such a simple video that was supposed to be so stupid and so fun. Um, I was, you know, like anti-oil, anti-salt, like the company of the pasta that I was using was like homophobic. And how could I use a homophobic? Like I was just, which also I looked that up in 2013 apparently there was a homophobic ceo that like Mm -hmm. they then ousted like i also i i feel like i'm like y'all what are we doing i'm like i was like what what's going on like i just made a fun flirty Mm -hmm. like hilarious little moment apparently it was like 
and I can't really think of a more basic piece of content because I also don't want to just talk about social issues and social yeah, all the yeah, time. Like that's not, yeah. I want to do stupid shit, like make fucking mm-hmm. pasta mm-hmm. and do a satir. So I'm, I think I'm also trying to be cognizant of the fact that when I get upset and angry in those moments, I'm like, these people don't know who I am. Yeah. I get it. But it's also yeah. like not okay for me to feel this shitty about a dumb fucking video, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's, I think very clearly like two and maybe more than two different sides to social media. There is like the very much like just fashion, like just clothes, just fashion side of social media. And then I think that there's another side of social media where there is a lot more like social justice, like a lot of that going into content. Um, And I think it can, I, I think it's tricky because there are so many things being posted that are so hateful, homophobic, misogynist, stuff like that, that is remaining up on social media. That's getting all of this. My content gets taken down like all the time. It's so annoying. And then I like try and post something in a bathing suit where I'm like at the pool drinking a drink and I'm like, whatever, shaking my ass. And then it gets deleted because it's nudity or something like that. So it's like, it's hard to navigate that side of things too, where it's like, this is just for fun. I'm just being playful. (laughs) There's not a lot going on behind this, but then there's also the other side of it where there is a lot of people who, who are saying very like harmful, hurtful things and, and it's not understanding the impact that they're having on. No. And then I also think, and I'm curious how you feel about this, but like, especially when it comes to like, brand partnerships I think that's probably the area that's the trickiest for me because it's sort of like I have always supported small businesses and queer-owned businesses and POC-owned businesses because of the way that the system is a lot of those brands are smaller a lot of those brands are self-funded a lot of those brands don't have big budgets to to work with Mm -hmm. at the same time if I want to be a full-time content creator you have to make money yeah. And so it's sort of like you work with large brands. Obviously there is like, I have certain like blacklisted brands I'll never work with, but like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the hard thing too is realizing that even when you work full time, sometimes you work with employees, you work with companies, you work with bosses who you don't agree with, but it's part of it is also work. But then also you're like in a position where you're impacting. So like, and then I also see creators that have like, said something and then worked with a brand that's completely unaligned there so I think that I think that's um probably the most interesting part of social media I guess for me Mm -hmm. is like how to navigate it what to say no to and what to say yes to and be like you know what like I'm not responsible for for the fucking CEO of this brand what I can do is maybe like first of all take money from a brand second of all like put myself in a situation where like did you ever see like like me working with a brand like this and also maybe like I'm part of this movement of like changing the way that brands operate and work because I do a lot of consulting too now it's very nuanced it's very case by case but I was always very um not aware of how nuanced it is until I started to like get offers from brands to do that definitely definitely and I've been in a position before too where it's like you you get that email initial email from a brand and you see that rate and you're like okay um how do I navigate this because there is like both sides of it it's like you have that side side of it where you're like okay I know 
I know what's going on behind the scenes with this brand. I know like what's happened with this brand in the past. And then there's the other side of it where it's like, okay, but I could also offer exactly what you said. I could offer a look and a body and a message that maybe they never used before. Yeah, this yeah. could be that driving force behind them taking, like going in a new direction. There's also the other side of it too, where it's like, once you're in with a brand and you're connected with them, you have that potential ability to have conversation with them about, Hey, have you thought about doing this, this, and this, or have you thought about including, you know, more people of color or, you know, more, you know, queer people. It's like, you have a foot in the door now. And so it's like that opportunity to maybe have that conversation with them. Not all the time, obviously, but that's kind of how I look at it is like, okay, now I can, I can have a conversation with them about what can we do together to kind of help you expand and be more inclusive. Um, and yes, I'll take your money. (laughs) Yeah. And also I'm like, like, do people know how many times they've said no to brands? Like I've said no to brands. I've said no to, to fundamentally like life-changing checks. Like I could have really, because I was like, you know what? It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I have, I think I've worked with some brands and I think that like, uh, you know, I'll give an example. I think Amazon is a perfect example. I think Amazon has such a um, very profoundly complicated structure of like everything from who runs it and operates it. Um, and I think that for me, it's sort of like, I've actually never worked. I've never had the opportunity to work with Amazon personally. Mm-hmm. But I also always wonder myself, I'm like, when I get that email, what am I going to do? Because I know that I'm also like, who doesn't shop on Amazon? But then I'm like, but there are people who don't shop on Amazon. But then I'm like, but Amazon also does have businesses that like, and then I'm also like, also like not a lot of people can afford the brands that I work with. So Amazon is like, like, it's so nuanced and it's so, um, it's really like, I don't know. I really don't know in those moments. I'm really grateful that I have a team now that can help me navigate it and be like, Hey, like these are, you know, and also, um, yeah, I just think it's a, I think it's a a conversation. I never think it's, unless it's like, there's one particular media company that does podcasts that I will like, I think we know which one I'm talking about, which I'm like, absolutely never on the face of the earth, no amount of money get now so I think it's you know it it depends yes definitely and I think that kind of the idea of the affordability accessibility behind it is and this could this is like a whole nother episode like a whole nother conversation but you know I see that a lot in terms of the plus size fashion industry Mm -hmm. like there is a lot more to take into consideration when you're when you're looking at one specific person who's shopping at let's say like forever 21 or h&m or you know these fast fashion companies um who lives in a larger body who you know maybe doesn't have the economic means to like shop at a small business i think a lot of times we forget to we forget to think about those other structures and and those other things that play a role in this. It's like, we can't expect everyone to be able to shop at, you know, a- afford to buy a pair of jeans for a hundred yeah. dollars. Right. Which is like, like yeah. Not, it's and not people are always like, it's only like $20 more. I'm like, first of all, 
that's substantial for people. And then also 100%. like, mm-hmm. it's not, it's really not, it's like hundreds of dollars more expensive to find clothes yeah. that like, and I think as someone who's not in a larger body, I have definitely been in, in the past mm-hmm. and it's been a whole mm-hmm. journey for me, especially with experiencing, you know, all these different things that I actually don't really talk about on the internet that much. I think um, I am always just in, in, awe of like the I guess mostly the double standard like I I also like have a lot of friends who are creators that you know live in larger bodies and um post these halls and do collaborations and get insane like you know um backlash and then I have a lot of like skinnier like creators who you know are posting things and I'm just like yeah like like no one says that you know it's just I think for me it's also just the double standard and then also layering on gender into it too yeah. it's just such a huge thing I mm-hmm. think that um people are really fat phobic and people are really misogynistic and then at the same time they do both really well like they can perform yeah. those two things in a really detrimental way so um when it comes to like inclusivity and accessibility unfortunately we also don't live in an economy that prioritizes businesses that of course we wish we could support small businesses and queer owned businesses and I would say I do like on many cases I waive my fees and I'll work with a brand um but at this point like if I'm going to get to where people like the way that I see it is I'm like I'm like with a follower I'm like you want me to to be big do you want me to like break boundaries I'm like in order to do that there are so many different things that go into it um and that means working with big brands like that mm-hmm. literally there's no other I truly unless you're like you you're just money is not an object like you truly yeah. I, I don't I don't know how you can do it it's hard yeah definitely 100 it's it's a it's a tricky thing to navigate and I think I'm I'm thankful for like people like you and other creators who are who who are open to having those conversations um I think it one just creates like a safe space for vulnerability. It allows, yeah. you know, transparency. And I think all of that is, is so important. Yeah. Um, but one last question to kind of wrap things up, um, for anyone listening who is struggling with, you know, finding their identity, really stepping into who they are, what piece of advice would you give that individual? That's a really good question. That's a hard question. Um, I would say, I would say is the way that you're, is the way that you're acting in front of other people matching the way that you sit with yourself alone. I think identity for me for so long was complicated because I'm an extroverted person by performance, but I'm actually really private. I'm a very private person. I'm very introverted. And I struggled with identity because I was not, I wasn't finding the intersection of both those places. I felt like I was always extroverted. I felt like I was always, or like if the moment that I wasn't like bouncing off the walls, people would be like, what's wrong? Like, are you okay? And I'm just like, yeah, I'm just like tired right now. Or I'm just like not really into it. Um, so I would say that. Um, and I would also say like now, hopefully with social media, if you have access um, like find community. I think communities can really help shape identities. I think I always, like there are folks um, that are creators that I've looked up to that have shaped my identity 
some of them being, um, I have a friend named Zane and they're an amazing content creator and they do such impactful work. Alok, they're incredible, a mentor, I think in terms of, you know, distantly how I see them. And, and we've had um, occasions where we've been able to meet and they have completely changed and impacted the way that I deal with like empathy, for example, and that's shaped my identity. So that's what I would say. And then my always, my piece of advice for anybody um, is to not let anybody mistake your kindness for stupidity. And I think that's something that I've learned. Like that's always, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a very kind person. I'm easy to work with. I really don't have any beef with anyone. I fucking hate drama. I'm not that person. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not stupid. Like I'm really nice, but like, don't like, I think it's really easy for people to try and take advantage of people like me. And I have been in the past. So I'd say with young people, especially people who are struggling with identity, um, don't let people like mistake that because that can really get you into a tricky space. And we don't want that. We want you to grow and flourish and be incredible. So, one hundred percent. I love that, and I relate so much to the the kindness and and stupidity. Yeah, I consider myself a recovering people pleaser. I'm a middle child. Yep. I, my whole life has always oh, just been whatever I could to make other people happy. And it's something I enjoy doing. Like I enjoy yeah. making people happy. I enjoy being there for people. It's why I went into therapy. It's why I yeah. went into this field, but there is that other side of it where it's like, I have been taken advantage of and people yeah. have, you know, said really fucked up stuff to me and expected it to just like roll right off and getting to that space where you can like really understand your value and your worth and, and all of that. I think it's, it all plays a role in one another. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you Definitely. so much for having me on. This of was course. So yeah. So before we wrap up, do you mind just sharing uh, with followers where they can find you? Yes. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Cyrus Vasey, my first and last name, C-Y-R-U-S-V-E-Y-S-S-I. And you can find me on Snapchat at just C-V-E-Y. Um, and message me. I like to respond to most of my DMs, um, especially on Instagram. So you can find me there. Amazing. And I'll link everything in the show notes. Um, and for those listening, please, if you resonated, leave a rating, leave a review, let us know yes. what your thoughts were on this episode. If you aren't following Cyrus, make sure you are He's honestly like such a <laughs> healing space. You. And I'm Thank so you. thankful that I got to have this conversation with you, you today. Thank you. I'm feeling Thank you so you mutual. So, so thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you.